Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And coming up later, we'll be speaking to Alex Eames from Raspberry TV and covering some news. But before that, you want to plug your Raspberry Jam, don't you, Albert? I do indeed, yeah. The next Egham Raspberry Jam is on the 17th of January. So if you're in the Surrey, Hampshire area or Berkshire area and you uh, have have nothing to do on the 17th of January, come along to uh, the Egham Raspberry Jam. This time it's all about games and gamification. So I know there's uh, some retro gaming coming along. There's some people are developing games in different systems. I have a, a couple of projects that I'm bringing along myself, so it should be good fun. We've got most of the tickets are gone already. But there's still some left. So registration is on Eventbrite. A nice, simple uh, website address. It's eggumjam10, as in 10.eventbrite.com to register. It's free to attend. You just need to register beforehand because numbers are limited. Well, I'll stick a link to that in the show notes. But let's get on with the news. And the first news item for uh, anybody who's been watching the, the Pi Zero is um, somebody plugged it in to just just USB cable and a back part, which is great. But it also came up as an OTG device, which means that you can actually make it emulate a network connection or a USB device or a serial device. So there's a couple of people working on it at the moment, being able to program the Raspberry Pi and powering it just from a, a USB cable attached to your computer. Yeah, this uh, looks like a really great set of instructions. I want to say thank you to Andrew Mudholland for putting this together. And hopefully when I get some time to actually sit around and play with my Pi Zero, I will uh, definitely look to these instructions to set everything up. So thank you very much. Yeah, I've seen uh, Simon Walters working on it as well. And the, the great thing here is that if you install a VNC server, you can get a full desktop. It's just through USB. So one wire, it's connected. It works. You can access all of the GPIO. You can do all your normal programming. And it's all just using one USB cable. This will only work with the Zero or potentially the Model A's. I haven't seen anybody check for back powering using the A+. So I'm not too sure of the power circuitry on that. But the original Model A will work as well. Um, the B models and the 2 won't work because they have a USB network chip. So your USB cable isn't connecting directly into the Broadcom chip. But it does make, a in the UK, a four-pound device, uh, a nice endpoint device for connecting things to, which is good for uh, people who need that, that kind of setup. Yep, and uh, in other news, we have that the Pi Zero now is out in the United States. Um, I was able to get my Pi Zero very early on at Micro Center. So for all of our listeners there in the States, check out Micro Center. I know they will definitely have them. Besides that, I haven't had any luck with the Barnes & Noble Magpie issue actually containing the Pi Zero in the stores. I've had no luck with that. And I've also heard quite a few complaints from my Raspberry Pi class and meetup that people still can't get their hands on the Pi Zero, which I usually pull mine out and rub it in their face. But hopefully this will make it a lot easier now for people in the States. I know, Joe, you're still having some issues getting your hands on one. Is that correct? Yeah, I still can't get one. I hear occasionally that some websites got some in stock and then I go there and they're all sold out. So I still haven't got a Pi Zero, which is not really good for a host of the Pi podcast to not have the latest one, but there you go. <laughs> but speaking of the Magpie magazine, the latest one's all about Minecraft mashups. Now, my 10-year-old niece is either 
playing, well, she's either sleeping, eating at school, or playing Minecraft, or watching videos about Minecraft. <laughs> so this is, uh, the fact that Minecraft is kind of involved with the, the pie and you can play it on there, I think is a really good thing to get kids involved with it because it seems to be it's not just her is it it's all kids are mad about minecraft oh yeah when uh when i first kicked off the meetup immediately a family came up to me trying to get their raspberry pi running for their kids because they had to play minecraft and that was the goal like we have to get this up and run as soon as possible i have a fellow co-worker who's using one to as a minecraft server his kids play minecraft he plays minecraft and i knew when i saw this magazine issue this would take off like hotcakes yeah, it's really good. It, it it includes tutorials on, you know, just how to move around within it using Python, how to use it with Sonic Pi, which is which is amazing that you can use Sonic Pi for programming uh, Minecraft. And there's also uh, Node-RED code in there as well. So how to interface with Minecraft using Node-RED. And in addition to that as well, just in the, the magazine itself, uh, Lucy Rogers has an article on, on using Node-RED as well. So uh, it it's it's all in there. If, if you've looked at Node Red like I have, and went, um, I don't know, then this is this is the way to go. So it, it's definitely going to be the magazine I'll use to uh, figure out how how to use Node Red properly. And up next, we have a Bitcoin client or OS that is now available for the Raspberry Pi. So I've ran into this issue before uh, with the Raspberry Pi when I once tried to set up to use it as a, a bit mining Bitcoins, which was just the worst idea possible. But one of the main issues I ran into with it was trying to in, install it was a lot of uh, overhead and a lot of frameworks that I had installed also had to play ball with Raspberry Pi. So now there is a Bitcoin OS by the name of Rokus, I believe is how you pronounce it. And it comes out of the box supporting either a full Bitcoin node or you can use it as an OKCash OK stalking device. And we will add some links in the show notes uh, kind of explain exactly what is OKCash. OK but... Like I said before, uh, I know a lot of people I've talked to where I work at and a lot of my friends have tried to use uh, Raspberry Pi for Bitcoin mining or Bitcoin in general and have had a lot of issues. And I think this for once might actually clear it up quite a bit. Yeah, we're not talking about mining with this thing. Either. We're talking about just helping the network. It's for people who believe in the whole cryptocurrency movement and want to help it out by putting a node on the network just to kind of spread the load around a little bit. But you're not going to mine any bitcoins but certainly not with a raspberry no. pi <laughs> yeah definitely not with one i know there is some uh, other bitcoin clients out there that come for the raspberry pi but i believe you have to spend quite a bit of money out of the box and one thing i did notice in the article about this was that you need to make sure that you have some external storage on your raspberry pi and they're saying at least more than 50 gigs so keep that in mind uh listeners yeah, because of the blockchain, it's huge. I've got the blockchain or most of it downloaded, and it's absolutely enormous. <laughs> well, it takes like a week to download on top of that. So, yeah, you're, you're yeah. correct, Joe. Well, moving on, the Ubuntu Flavor Maker has been announced. Now, we had Martin Wimpress on the very first episode of the Pi podcast talking about Ubuntu Mate for the Raspberry Pi. Well, Martin has decided to release the scripts that he used to create Ubuntu Mate and continues to create the images for the pie with Ubuntu Mate so that you can create other flavors of Ubuntu as well, such as Lubuntu or Zubuntu. It doesn't work with full-blown Ubuntu because that's just too kind of hardcore for the pie, unfortunately, with all the 3D and stuff. But you can have the server version of it as well. We talked about CentOS on the last show, and so now you've got an Ubuntu server as well. And you can actually make your own 
flavor with this script or you can download some of the the flavors the existing flavors from the website ubuntu-pi-flavor-maker.org i told martin it's a terrible domain but uh, he wouldn't listen to me <laughs> i uh downloaded the labuntu image and i've been using it for a little while now and i'm very pleased with it so uh, i haven't tried out these ubuntu yet and i really have no need for the server images but i'm really uh, extremely pleased with the labuntu one yeah, I was using Zubuntu on my netbook until I moved to Customate, so I might uh, check this out on the Raspberry Pi as a, as a comparison compared with a first-generation uh, netbook. Yeah, if for some reason you're not pleased with Ubuntu Mate on the Pi, then I would definitely check out uh, Zubuntu or Lubuntu. And up last in news is an amazing Kickstarter that I believe Albert is at, might have found this, and this is a, I can't I can't rave about this enough. I've already, as soon as I saw it, I immediately contributed to it. I sent this to three of my friends. They've all contributed to it as well. I think there's 35 days left to go, and they're going to easily make their mark of, I believe, a little over $12,000. So, Albert, could you please give us a little bit more about this awesome Kickstarter? Yeah, it looks like it's actually fully stunt funded. It's called the uh, Smiley Pi Touch. It's a case for the touchscreen, so a mount for the Raspberry Pi and the touchscreen, but it comes with a stand that allows you to put it on a desktop you can get it with a mount so you can actually screw it to the wall um, it's got easy access into the raspberry pi itself um, it can take it, it also allows you to still get at the gpio pin so you can either attach a cable or you can take a panel off and put hats on um, it's got visa mounts so it's got the 75 millimeter uh, visa mount standard so again if you've got a, a visa device you can attach it to that it just looks really, really well designed. I mean, I, I, I kind of looked at it and went, this guy has thought of everything and it's got Lego. So if you're into Lego, it's got mounts, Lego mounts that you can add Lego onto it as well, which I just thought was really cool. Here's what really sold me on it. Besides the fact that the stand is amazing. I got a Pi camera for Christmas and that th it's awesome. I love playing with it, but testing and using that Pi camera is really really awkward with that ribbon cable mm -hmm. and it's hard to have a way to stand that up or use it or without having to build something to where it's just nicely going to fit in and when i saw that this came with a pie camera case that easily fit onto the pie uh, to the stand i was blown away immediately at that moment i was like i have to buy this yeah and it's uh, I, I was there going okay this this is so well designed that it's going to be sort of 40 50 bucks is what they're asking for it and i was gone at that point i'm not even touching it but it's 20 bucks yep and it's fully funded as of now. So this this is happening. And if I scroll to the end of the page, it's expected to be shipped in April. So this is going to be a fast turnaround product. Um, the guy behind it um, actually did a previous project as well, uh, a pie, a Raspberry Pi case with Lego holes. So he's got the experience of, to get this out there. So Tom Murray's, he's already done successful Kickstarters. It's already fully funded. It's all expect to happen in four months. So yeah, I'm I'm very impressed by this. That's uh, that's awesome. Bringing back my love of Kickstarters is what he's done. Thank you very much. Yeah, it looks like a pretty cool product. So speaking of Kickstarters and crowdfunding, let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by Alex Eames from Raspi TV. So welcome, Alex. Thank you. Hello. It's good to be here. Ah, good to have you. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I studied chemistry at university, and then after a couple of years working in pharmaceutical development, I decided that that wasn't for me and started a translation business with my wife. Then got into ebooks, and by the time I was getting bored of that, 
the Raspberry Pi came along and I decided I would use some of the knowledge I'd learned from marketing on the web and try and build a website that people would actually want to come and, and visit and possibly at some point in the future make a business around that. But I didn't have any idea at the time how I was going to do it. I just focused for the first maybe year and a half just on building something good. And the way I did it was trying to make really foolproof instructions for things that aren't actually well documented. And why did you think the Raspberry Pi would be a good thing to uh, do that around? Well, firstly, uh, after getting up early on the 29th of Feb, uh, like thousands and thousands of other people in 2012, um, it was very, very clear from day one that it was going to be very big. Um, and secondly, I loved the educational angle because I, I did about five or six years of part-time teaching ICT to year fives at my son's school. And it was very clearly this was this was going to be a big educational thing and and of value because of that. So when exactly after you started playing with the Raspberry Pi, did you start up with the Raspberry TV idea? Uh, straight away, really. The first thing I did was take some really nice high resolution photos. And that was my first blog post. So I think I got my first Pi in this about the 14th or 15th of May 2012. And I had my first blog post was about a week or two after that, I think. So you seem to get early access to the new Pi stuff and you've become kind of a go-to person for the foundation when they've got announcements to make. So how did that come about then? I think just gradually built up a relationship with the Raspberry Pi Foundation um, and some mutual respect and trust and... I think the first product that I actually had early access to was the B+. Um, and that was a question of uh, get one on Friday, launch on Monday. So you have to get your video ready over the weekend. Um, so we didn't have a lot of time on that one. But yeah, it's just a gradual process. I mean, I've, I've, I've signed an agreement with them now and, and everything. So, you you, you know... I can't tell any secrets, and, and why would I anyway? Because it would wreck the relationship. So, <laughs> And how far in advance do you get stuff these days then? Is it, again, similar on the Friday? No, it completely varies depending on, on how things go. Uh, with the Zero, I think I had one a, a week before. Oh, right, so you had plenty of time to play with it then? A bit more time this time, yeah. But it, 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 it does vary. It does vary considerably. I mean, I, I think sometimes they don't even have much stock um, of of things much in advance to, to give them out. Um, it, it really depends on how things fall into place with the manufacturing as well. Yeah, I must admit, uh, Raspberry TV is a site I think we've recommended probably on every episode of the uh, the podcast so far because you've always got something on there that's worth seeing. And I know I've used it on a number of occasions when I started doing the work with the camera and, and tweeting and things like this. It was your blog posts with the, the videos, with the code that I was able to to work from so which which of the videos is getting the the most uh hits or people are most interested in what kind of topics are, are people looking at product launch videos are very popular um <laughs> other than that do you remember there was a really wacky one i did with um with the gert board and it was all controlled by a wii controller um and so i had bells clanging when I press a particular button and that was just quite a crazy demo because it had all sorts of different things going on with it <laughs> that's been a very popular one 
Um, what else? Instructional ones are pretty popular too. Yeah, that Gertberg one have been a good while back, yeah? Mm. Because yeah. I bumped into you at the the Milton Keynes jam once, I think. Mm-hmm. Ages ago, I think you had it the time before. The GERP board stuff was, yeah, probably 2012, early 2013. Mm. And you, you started doing uh, some Kickstarters. Your most recent one was the uh, GPIO ruler, which I think That's I, right. went for, I went for four of those. And uh, there's one in my toolbox permanently. I was showing them to people at uh, Hack Wimbledon uh, at the weekend. I think it's a, a fantastic little ruler. Why did you decide to do something like that? Because it's not electronics. It's, it's information on a ruler. I'd seen the Adafruit PCB ruler and thought it was really nice. I'd also seen Dave Jones do one from EEV blog, um, but both of those were based on electronic engineering. I thought it would be nice if there was something that had a Pi angle, and I'm always forgetting the code for RPi GPIO and having to look it up. So I thought, why don't I put the code on a ruler and make it look nice, and then there'll be one just for Pi. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Every time I start to do anything with RPi GPIO, I kind of have to find one of your examples to start from again. Hmm. So this is much easier in the toolbox. It's there ready for me. Exactly. And, and pieces of paper just get lost. So if you had a crib sheet printed out, you'd just throw it somewhere and, and lose it. But a ruler, you'll know where it is. So you have other projects besides the GPIO ruler, which I equally bought. And I want to say thank you that it renewed my faith in Kickstarter. Because <laughs> every time I feel like I chip in, it never pans out. How how have you noticed using Kickstarter with Raspberry Pi projects? Has that worked out really well? Is there a good response for everything you do? Because I've seen you did the the Raspi O uh, Arduino, I believe. Mm-hmm. That looked really cool. So do you, would you recommend other people try this, this avenue as well? I would, but... It- I think there's a there's a certain level of Kickstarter fatigue setting in, um, in terms of people getting a bit fed up with oh no not just another Kickstarter, but if you've got something that's actually good you can you can cut through the the dross. I think I think Kickstarter relaxed their standards a while back, um, and stopped reviewing projects, and I think they've started reviewing them again because there was too much rubbish going out going out there and spoiling Kickstarter's name. Um, but I would recommend people do it if they've actually got something that's decent. Yes, definitely. So in terms of the Kickstarters, what's the most popular one that you've done? The most popular one was HDMI Pi the Screen, which raised uh, about £261,000 uh, and had 2,500 backers. Wow. And has the official display from the foundation made a difference to, uh, to the market for the HDMI Pi? The official DSi screen from the Raspberry Pi Foundation is a very nice piece of kit, but it is a little bit of a different beast, um, being as it it doesn't have HDMI connectors on it, and it can only be used with the Pi. Well, unfortunately, though, as as regards the HDMI Pi situation, um, things haven't gone very well recently, and I'm I'm just going to go over some some facts that I've prepared here. HDMI Pi is a 50-50 partnership between myself and Syntec, agreed both verbally and on paper. In 2013 and 2014, it was my main source of income. I had a payment in December 2013 and one in November 2014. All of the Kickstarter funds, retail and wholesale sales proceeds went straight to Syntec. Syntec holds all of the HDMI Pi stock. 
I've not seen accounts for any of the post-Kickstarter sales dating back to December the 13th, 2013, although I have seen some retail sales figures from then up to July 2015, until my access to the online shop system was revoked. The Kickstarter accounts I have seen contain, let's call them, significant errors and omissions. I've not received an HDMiPi payment from Syntec for more than one year. HDMiPi has been sold to resellers like CPC, MCM, Rapid, ModMyPi, Kiwi and others in the hundreds. I've not seen any sales figures or accounts or received any revenue for any of these sales. There's also a large order pending from UNICEF Lebanon and other organisation working there and I know that Syntec have visited Beirut without keeping me in the loop. I've been operationally excluded from HDMiPi and its development. I've known about this since June 2015, which was the last time I spoke with Dave Meller by phone. Since then, solicitor's letters have been exchanged. Well, it sounds like uh, it's not an ideal situation at the moment for everybody involved with the HDMiPi, so hopefully it all gets sorted out soon and everybody can move on and, and concentrate on good, doing good stuff again. Thank you. Um, Alex, can you let us or any of the listeners in on any future Kickstarters that you might be in the works? Definitely. I've got one planned, hoping to launch uh, in January, maybe even the week this podcast comes out. Not sure yet. But it's called the Raspio Pro Hat. And what it is, is it's a... it's a replacement for the Raspio Breakout Pro board, which I did, which protects all of the GPIO ports. But this one is in hat form, and it has a little breadboard on top of it. But the other thing that's unique about it, which I haven't seen anybody else do yet, is that it has all of the GPIO ports broken out in GPIO port number order. So it goes round the breadboard from 2 to 27. Very excellent. And what kind of uses do you, do you expect people to be using this for? Well, that one's really, it's, it's for hacking and education, really. I would hope it, it fits very well with the new GPIO Zero, which also uses the, the Broadcom BCM GPIO port numbers. And I'm hoping that it will be a good marriage there and people will adopt it for use with GPIO Zero. And do you know what kind of price we'll be looking at for that then? I don't have the final pricing nailed down. I'm still discussing that with manufacturers because it's there's a, quite a few surface mount uh, components on the board, which will be on the underneath. But I'm hoping I'll be able to pitch it somewhere around 10 to £12. Pounds. We'll, we'll see when I get the final, final manufacturing figures. That'll be fantastic. Because, yeah, I mean, protecting all the ports on the Raspberry Pi is uh, definitely a good thing to do. Having a breadboard on there as well makes it much easier to just do simple prototyping rather than having lots of different components. And I'm very interested to see the uh, the pins broken out around the board as well in a, a slightly different layout that might encourage different levels of creativity. Well, there is, I have, I have stuck up a holding page uh, on the web if you want to see a photograph of what the board prototype looks like. It's at rasp.io, R-A-S-P dot I-O forward slash Pro hat. Excellent. And that, that's the same website for your other Kickstarter products because you're, you're selling most of them or all of them through the site now? Yes. All, all of my products are available on Raspio website, which is rasp.io. And have you, have you any, um, other videos planned as well going back to the 
Raspberry TV piece? Oh, I've got lots of, I've got a long <laughs> list of, of videos that could be, but the, the question is of finding the time between getting these things done and earning a living. Obviously, as you've heard, yes. I've, I'm having to focus a little bit more on that. Um, now I'm not getting any current revenue from other projects I've been involved with. Um, so I'm having to focus on that a bit more. Uh, I've got a, lot, a long list of videos and a long list of draft blogs, some of which have already been started as well. So there's there's ideas are never in short supply. It's a question <laughs> of getting things done. I've also got at least two or three other products in the in the lineup as well, ready to come out. But but we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, can you can you tell us more about them? But uh, fair enough, we'll have to just wait and see on that one. Well, uh, it's it's been really great talking to you, and um, we'll put some links to um, the, the various websites, uh, the Raspberry TV and IO. And um, have you got a Twitter handle as well? Yes, it's it's Raspi TV, R-A-S-P-I-T-V. Great, yeah, we'll put a link to that as well. So yeah, thanks for coming on the show and giving us your time and hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you very much, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate what Alex did with the uh, GPIO, GPIO ruler. And if any of our listeners have a chance to get their hands on one that do not currently have one, I highly recommend you grab it up. It's a very useful piece of equipment. I use it all the time with my uh, wiring up my Raspberry Pi, and I highly, highly recommend getting your hands on one. Thank you, Alex, for creating that. Yeah, that's cool. And as he said, he's mentioned that he's uh, working on some other um, Kickstarters as well, so he's definitely worth watching. And I think there hasn't been an episode of the Pi Podcast where we haven't mentioned Alex in some extent, um, either because of something that he's done on Kickstarter or because of uh, Raspberry TV. So uh, he's definitely somebody, if you're not following him on, on Twitter, uh, definitely worth following Raspberry TV and uh, see what he's up to. Yeah, definitely. But with that, we're coming to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepipodcast.com, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, iTunes, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. Take care. See you later.